Hello, heroes, and welcome to a bonus episode of OneShot. I'm Tracy Barnett, your host and Game Master. Heroes, this is a special chance for me. I am the project manager for the OneShot Network. I do the editing for this podcast, the OneShot Podcast, but I also have a new project on the network. Iron Edder Reforged Puppet Strings is an actual play test podcast featuring myself, B. Zelda, Alex Flanagan, and Jeff Stormer. We have been on the network for about three weeks now, and the Kickstarter that is funding the podcast and the game that we are playing is in its last 30 hours of funding. James was kind enough to allow me to drop an episode here into the one-shot feed so you all could get a taste of exactly what it is we're doing and what it is we have going on. So, if you end up enjoying it, check out the Kickstarter, the links are in the show notes, and enjoy this, our second episode of Puppet Strings. And with all of that out of the way, let's get to the show. Jotunheim, the heart of the network of the gods. Miles of bone, sinew, and synapse. It's time to tear it all down. Ragnarok is coming, and it's you. It's a hot day in Jotunheim, but there aren't many days that aren't really when you're living inside of an area that is comprised of the discarded remains of massive giants. It's humid. The weather is always in the mid-80s, mid-90s. It's warm. Today, there's dust in the air. There's a smell of something dead long disturbed that should not have been moved. One of the ligaments snapped and a house fell. And through the dust, through the haze, you can hear people crying for help. You can hear people searching for loved ones. First of all, Introduce your character by name real quick when you go, and tell me where you were when the house fell. Whoever would like to go first is welcome to. So, Aki Trig... See, I don't know this name that I chose. Trigvi. Trigvi, thank you. Mm-hmm. Aki Trigvi. They are, you know, casual, bone-bonded, probably wear a lot of leather, tight pants, leather jacket, chest out. It's beautiful. And uh, they were just skulking around keeping an eye on some people, looking for, you know, information, seeing what they could hear when uh, that horrible crash in the distance sounded. All right. Who would like to go next? Ronnie, she is... The the, the best way I can describe what he was doing at the time was just being around... Like, they like to be around people, right? Like, like they are, they are a person that enjoys being in the presence of people, but not the center of attention. He wants to be a face in the crowd, so I think that, that when 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 the house fell, there is a a bar or a meeting spot where Ronnie was off to the side. I think I'm I'm envisioning there is some sort of like there's some sort of show happening or a contest or like some sort of competition, right? Like 
uh, and Ronnie is attending, but very consciously not, uh, like not participating, but just kind of there for the, I'm, I'm going to go further. I'm going to go full Jeff Stormer and say it's gar- it's karaoke night at whatever, at whatever this bar is. The bar is incisors. Uh, it is a club one run by one of the few giants to be found outside of the realm of fire and ice. It is karaoke nighted incisors, which is, is less, is less singing songs that exist and more a sort of, uh, a sort of screaming exercise where you like, like they play a song and you just scream. You just, you just unleash fury and hell. Ronnie goes every single, every single week and listens to people just let loose every frustration they have. And oddly enough, when the, when the house fell, the place went silent. Like someone was mid scream. It was as if the, it was as if their throat closed when the house fell, the music cut out and it was, you could hear a pin drop in a place where frankly, you leave most days, not really being able to hear anything. Very good. Wow, that's evocative. Right. I apologize in advance. I think you have the sounds of me like gagging on my coffee when Jeff was describing karaoke night. (laughs) Okay, so since we've established that it's evening, I think what Idis was doing is probably I have this this mental image of like him going about whatever his evening routine is. And I imagine there is a routine, and I think it has to do with like delivering groceries to people who maybe for whatever reason can't get out and get their own. I don't I haven't done my research on what like the economic situation of this is, but if there are like a disabled parent who can't get away to the grocery store during the day, I just takes their groceries every evening or like once a week or, you know, the the person who's working three jobs across town, like I just checks in. But I think that the the thing that I'm really interested in is this mental image of like on the way to this side of the neighborhood, there's a group of kids who are all out like playing some sort of pickup ball game like kicking one around to each other. And I think Idis knows all the kids in the neighborhood and they all know Idis. And so has sort of like stopped and joined in on this like pickup game, you know, kicking a ball around with like a brown paper bag in one arm or what have you, when this just horrific sound ricochets through the neighborhood. So the house collapses. The next couple of hours are chaos. It's not uncommon for a house to collapse. You're in an, a neighborhood that was never really meant to support habitation, right? The entire idea of of Midgard as the realm of of people, Midgard is scattered throughout the remaining realms in pockets carved out where people can find space to make a home for themselves. And by people, I mean humans and any of the other beings of Norse mythology that have you know chosen to to make a realm here. So you'll find elves and dwarves. And if we come up with anything else, we come up with anything else. So it's now about three hours after the initial collapse. And as previously established in our session zero, all of you are there at the site helping in some way, shape or form. So Idis, since you are sort of the most, at least at first glance, connected to the neighborhood and to the people and also, since it was your question, what specifically are you doing to help with this this rescue effort? I think we talked about a little bit of this in sort of the initial answering of the question. And what I'm doing is I'm taking care of the first responders, essentially. So there are rescue personnel, there are people who, and I think it's 
a loosely organized community group, if anything. It's not like there are, you know, formally volunteer firefighters or what have you, but there are people in the community that we lean on to do this kind of work when this kind of work needs done because we know no one else is going to do it. Mm-hmm. And those people I know by name and those people I recognize and I, I know what they need when they need it. And so I think like as those people are coming off of their shifts, you know, hauling cables and evacuating people and retrieving supplies, you know, I am distributing coffee, I am carrying around like buckets of water to help people wash up. I think I'm keeping an eye on on kids. I'm sort of doing all of the work that needs to get done so that the more important work can get done. Very good. Uh, I would like just uh because we need to engage the mechanics at some point in time it being a playtest. <laughs> I would like you to to look at your attributes and skills and decide on a combo that you would like to roll to see how effective your efforts have been thus far. The difficulty is going to be a two. While this is challenging, it's not like a major challenge. This is, after all, what you do is you help right. people. So as far as attributes, I want to say like, processing, I think just, you know, responding in a crisis, taking information in, making snap decisions and sort of analyzing the situation, looking around and thinking like, okay, this needs to go here, this needs to go here. I'm going to stay cool and calm and rational and like just work things out. And as far as actual skills, I'm going to say probably like, this is a better question, insight maybe, same kind of thing, just like mm-hmm. looking around and and uh, reading people's faces and body language to determine who needs what most immediately. Okay, excellent. So that'll be seven D6s. Uh, you're looking for fives and sixes for hits, and you need two of them. Seven d6s. Okay, I need fives and sixes is what I'm tracking. Mm-hmm. All right, I got two fives and two sixes. Wow, yeah, you got you got what you needed and then some. So pick a person or a situation that you have in your mind's eye and describe how you're helping this person get something they didn't even know they needed in that moment, right? Mm-hmm. How you see beyond just like, oh, they need water, they need a break, right? You you get someone exactly where they live in that moment. I think that there is uh, one of these sort of known first responders in our community. And I think she's just a really, she's like a, a figurehead in our community, like a neighborhood mm-hmm. leader. She's very tall and broad and imposing. And I think she has several kids and like she's just, you know, well known as sort of the the matriarch of this side of the neighborhood, but very like physically capable. One of the strongest people in this side of the district, probably. And I think that the sort of vision I'm getting is that she was one of the first people on the scene, and one of the first people helping out. And, you know, obviously she's doing OK. She's like perfectly content to handle all of this and like knows that her kids are well taken care of and that everything is running smoothly. But I think that probably I know that she pulled a muscle in her wrist a couple of weeks ago doing something. Mm -hmm. And like the sort of thing that's mostly healed by now, but never really quite heals over. And doing this kind of work or repetitive motion injury is going to be something that's going to come back again. So I think that probably I had a couple of, you know, free moments and I remembered this and I went over to whoever or like, one of the other medics on site is, and I think I uh, just got like a wrist compress and I brought it back over to her without her even asking for it. Just like, hey, here, put this on. This is going to, this is going to help out. Wonderful. Her name is Bendis Hjalfstadter. Great name. And her blurb is that she is the neighborhood matriarch. And Alex, I think you leaned, you, you hinted at something already. Would you like her first detail to be 
basically like the strongest person in the neighborhood. Yeah. I mean, that's questionable with me around, but that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> just like she looks very strong and cool. I need to get this across. Like if you watch Dora Hidoro, like she just looks like Noi and it's awesome. I love it. Jeff and B, you each get to add a detail to Bendis Yolfstadter. I have a detail immediately unless B, you want to throw something out. Go for it, because I'm really considering mine if it's a, a positive detail or a hindrance. Mine is I want to throw out the visual that I got as Alex was like describing Bendis. I don't know why why my mind went here, and this is partially why she's got a wrist injury. Bendis's nickname is Hatchet because she carries this very the, the, it, Hatchet is is it's a Hatchet is a nickname in the way that like Tiny is a nickname. She carries this gigantic fire axe. It's her signature oh, I love thing. That. And she is known for like fire rescue, right? Like, you know, she is she is tall, she is opposing, she has a giant fire axe. And if you are if you are like buried behind wood, she's getting you out of there. Like that's why we call her hatchet, because that is not a hatchet. This is now a Bendisyoff's daughter appreciation cast. I just want everyone <laughs> to know that. It is. That's amazing. B, what detail would you like to add for Bendis? Oh gosh. Heck, well, she definitely wears a big oversized coat and she's got these little legs with really nice stylized shoes, but I think it's her hair that is really telling. Like, you know it's Bendis, not just from that hatchet when you kind of spy her from a distance, but I think she also just has, I, I'm trying to think of like fireproof hair because a lot of the styles that my mouth wants to say, they will catch fire. Copper hair, like literally her hair is interwoven Ooh, with metal. Oh, yes, That's please. That's cool. This is a cyberpunk future. We can we can body mod the heck out of her. Yes, please. Lots of copper intertwined in her hair. And I think it's just multiple braids that are tied up into like various buns around her head. It's cool. I like that. That's really cool. Is it too late to put her on the cover of the game? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not. I, I have I would love to propose a character change. I don't know. I feel like we've told the, my my characters. I feel like my story is told. I feel like there's more important characters we should be focusing on. You're a karaoke night, and that's where your story ends. Yeah, we're done. We're good. That is that's actually a really interesting thing to say, though, Jeff. Like, I think I'm going to make a note about that. Right? It's a it's a challenging thing potentially to change characters mm -hmm. midstream. Right. But I think troop style play is a really cool idea. That is a cool idea. Where you can have like a pool of people that you just go in and out of depending on who needs agency in a given moment. That way the, the GM isn't doing or the narrator, I should <laughs> use my own terms, isn't doing all of that lifting. I think finding a good way to do it would be very interesting. Speaking in terms of playtest and also me being me, I am I am not a I am not a parody of myself as I say the thing I'm about to say. That would also be a really interesting way to do a two-player approach to the game, is if it was, is if you didn't have a GM, you had two people and you were just, because I know we've done a similar thing when we played Ironhead Accelerated, where we were like, mm -hmm. actually, this character's the interesting thing, let's just hop over and play this character. I don't know how that would work, I think it's probably too early for us to tell, but I think that's a really interesting thing. Yeah, I think that's something to look at in the beta, but I, I'm making a note about uh, swapping characters cool. slash troop. Love it. Uh, and as a as a nod to that, if you all, as we encounter these NPCs, because Bendis Yolf's daughter is not going to be the only awesome NPC that y'all create. And if that turns out that, that that's where some juice is for this game, because it is a game effectively about communities rising up, hey, might not be a bad idea to have just a pool of people you can go, yeah, this is who's going on this mission, and I'm going to play them this time. So for that, we have... 
came back. We have uh, Adis uh, brought that over to Bendis, and Bendis just sort of like looks up at you. Let's get one thing straight. Bendis is looking down at me. <laughs> or she's sitting right now. She's still looking down at me. <laughs> Fantastic. That's amazing. So Bendis looks down at you and just kind of chuckles and shakes shakes her head and slides the compress on. I think it's like it, it looks just kind of like a, a neoprene wrist brace, right? You just slide it on. But because this is a cyberpunk future, she then just squeezes it and it immediately gets cold. Mm-hmm. So her wrist gets iced. And she sort of flexes her hand a little bit and rotates her wrist around and just looks at you and says, you always do tend to know exactly what needs to happen, don't you? That's why they keep me around. One of the reasons, anyway. Looks like uh, Bjorn over there needs a cup of coffee. I'll be all right. And and you, you can tell that like you've been dismissed. <laughs> oh, I'm well familiar <laughs> with the sensation. I, uh, I toss her a wink and I head over in Bjorn's direction. Fantastic. Aki, three hours in... What are you doing to, to aid in the in the rescue effort? Okay, so it's very important to note that in this time, I have really looked at my character and I've really considered who they are. Um, and so her pronouns are they, she, he, because I'm really liking this vibe that we got. And as I started to develop this character in the past, I don't know, eight minutes, a lot has come to me. So <laughs> good. I'm here for these revelations. You, I mean, there's a lot of commotion, there's a lot of chaos, but you can always tell that they are arriving by the clack of chains. They are just decked out in so many chains around her neck, and then it's secondary, it's almost the heavy click of booted heels. They are, they have like those strappy combat boots that go all the way up to the thighs, and it's just buckles, buckles, silver. They're wearing black leather tights that have X's opened up on the thighs because they have big, thick thighs. Let's be real. They are strong as heck. So she's got to have clothing that accommodates being able to squat and lift up rocks, especially, you know, when there's rubble like this, there's a lot of metal in the way. There's a lot of dangerous objects, but she comes prepared. She does still have like that open vest with like really beautifully thick arms. But note, most notably on the inside of the vest where uh, his chest is bare, there against the dark, dark skin, there are white tattoos that look like ribs and bones. And those tattoos go all the way up to the neck where it's the spine. And then around her head, and specifically around the hairline, there is a metal headband that is crafted to kind of look like a bone headband that leans, it kind of covers up the hairline a little bit where these long dreads that cascade all the way down his back probably towards like back of the thighs as he steps up towards this destruction and she starts to like click off the long nails toss them to the ground crack her fingers all right who needs help what am i lifting up She's so I, cool. <laughs> I like that we are in a podcast, which is a strictly audio medium, but B has still B has still delivered the most incredible like look and makeup and, and visuals that I could possibly comprehend. I am I am delighted. I will not be shocked if if I manage to make the audio of this even raw available to you all and the next time we record B comes with the white tattoos drawn on their neck. <laughs> I mean <laughs> Fantastic. And and I mean I'm I'm sitting over here redesigning the system already because now I have ideas. So uh, this is fantastic. I think you've been lifting things basically as anyone mm-hmm. has been directing, you know, for the last the last few hours. As you drop something particularly heavy in a place where it's out of the way and at least you know it's not going to be harming anyone, you kind of brush your hands off. Can I just assume 
that uh, Aki is wearing like fingerless leather gloves. Oh, for sure. Except the knuckles are studded with rhinestones. Yes, of course they are. I don't know what it says that I. I don't know what it says that I need that explained. <laughs> I mean, you already <laughs> knew it was there. Yeah. You dust your hands off, and as you look down at your hands, you actually see that there is something tucked into the wrist of your right glove, like like a little scrap of 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 paper or or something. Okay, glancing left and glancing right to make sure I don't have any eyes on me. They are absolutely going to pull that out and, you know, covertly take a look at this little note. Yeah, so this uh, references back to the question that you answered during our neighborhood creation. All right, this is the the moment where you got the note. So basically, in however it's phrased to make Aki believe its veracity and to absolutely know that he needs to gather up Ronnie and Itis and go check this out at some point in time, you have a note that says that you need to meet someone, a contact, tomorrow who has a lead. And it's it's kind of coded, right? It's not, It doesn't say this outright. The phrase basically means to mess with the RPB, right? The Realms Police Bureau. You, all of you, are basically, you know, revolutionaries. You're you're part of of a cell of some kind. And whenever you see something like that, the there's a lot more implication to it. This is sort of the break you've been waiting for, right? Because the idea, the 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 plan for your cell is to take down Tyr himself. What what is one thing that you see in this note that just seals for you beyond any shadow of a doubt? that this is exactly the thing that will lead you down that path. Ooh, I think it's the lipstick print. It's an atrocious orange color. And, you know, there is this individual that has been known, just they're known only in shadows. They're known only online. Nobody really knows who they are, except they go by the name of, what is a synonym for orange, y'all? Like the... Tangerine? What kind of orange is it? Tangerine, yeah. It's more like a burnt orange than Can can they can they be like the ridiculous Crayola? Can they be burnt umber? Yes. <laughs> I was gonna suggest persimmon, but burnt umber does kind of rule. I was gonna suggest macaroni and cheese. Burnt umber's <laughs> way better. <laughs> macaroni and cheese? Really? <laughs> it's my favorite it's, it's it's my favorite color. Well it's hard to argue with that logic. I had mac and cheese for lunch today. That's wonderful, but not for, you know, cool color names. Right. Just doesn't, you know, doesn't work as well. Persimmon is still on the table if you want persimmon. I'm here for burnt umber. It just sounds so edgy. It does. It really does. That's the thing. Especially if it's especially if it's one word and it's it's capital B, capital U, but it's one word like a username. <laughs> well, it's actually XX burnt umber XX, but you don't pronounce the X. Yeah, of course. No. <laughs> right. Unless unless you want to make sure everyone knows that you know they're hardcore. <laughs> Fantastic. So we have made an NPC. B, you uh, brought them into the world. What's the first detail for Burnt Umber? Burnt Umber colored lipstick. Fantastic. Jeff, what's the second detail? Second detail is... I, I'm, I'm, I guess I'm on a theme tonight, but like the second detail is 
uh, only meets in places that are so deafeningly loud that like you almost can't hear what they're saying, except if they except if they are communicating with an intent. So put put likes it put likes it loud. I think or like only meets in loud places. I think is a good way to describe it. But yeah, they only meet they only meet in places that are that are incredibly loud, and the only way that you can really hear them is if they want you to hear them specifically. Mm-hmm. All right, Alex, what's the final detail for Burn Over? I'm kind of obsessed with the idea of somebody, and I want to lean more into the cyberpunk thing, of somebody whose like call signs are these sort of aesthetic choices. And I love this idea of like these sensory things, like this color or like this weird play space of the auditory. So I think there's also like a specific scent or flavor that's like associated with them that like if you get a message from them or something like I I don't know I I just think like it's it probably smells very strongly of like persimmons (laughs) I mean maybe persimmons that'd be kind (laughs) of interesting I was gonna say like mint just because I think that would be something really odd Mm. to smell in like a weird cyberpunky rundown place especially if you're in like a super loud place like a construction site or like a like a like a rave bar or something smelling fresh mint is gonna be bizarre yeah yeah gonna be really really strange and i think because this individual operates like in conjunction with this resistance revolutionary it's like some artsy thing where it's like this breath of fresh air in the midst of like, you know, these terrifying times. So I kind of, I like that idea. I think one of their call signs, and they have a handful of these aesthetic call signs that you know them by, these very specific things that are almost like copyrighted to this person's mysterious identity, because you'll never actually see them. I think that, yeah, the the smell or the taste of mint in an unexpected place is is one of their qualities as well. So, Aki, you get that note, and you know that you're going to have to basically call a meeting together, right, to deliver this information when the rescue effort has been secured, right, when when the neighborhood is actually safe. And you've got, like, things are, are toned down. The people who have, who have needed the most help have been triaged, right? The house is probably a total loss, but right now it's it's literally damage control. It's making sure that other things don't fall and have more bad uh, happen to to the neighborhood. And so, lastly, Captain, how have you been assisting in the rescue effort? I think the interesting thing about Ronnie is that, like, I think, and I think probably, I think probably Aki and I think Aki and Ida's probably recognize this, and the two of you probably know why to an extent, but there's still probably a sense of like. For a long time, Ronnie's not around. Ronnie is, like, not present. Ronnie arrives, like, probably much later. And the reason is because... And I, I mean, I almost want to... I want to ask a character question, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lay out what I'm doing. And then I kind of... If, if I may, Tracy, I want to throw out a specific character question because I'm interested in it. Sure. But I think what, what Ronnie has done is... Because Ronnie's specialty is going where I'm not supposed to, not being seen and coming out in one piece. And I think that... The how that is directly helpful in an emergency effort is, you know, there are the there's the stuff that the volunteers can get their hands on to help get people out of here, and then there's the stuff that I can get my hands on to get stuff out of here. So I think I arrive probably not long before like the three hour mark. I arrive with like a crate of a crate of goods that fell off a truck, and I'm I'm probably sitting behind Idis like, hey, somebody's probably gonna need this. <laughs> And you two can go ahead and roll into that little scene if you would like to. Yeah, and oh, I think sweet. The, the question that I wanted to throw out, and I think this is this is the scene. This is the scene is like, how, what is Idis's perspective on this the specialties that that Ronnie has? I think 
we probably have this sort of standing arrangement or sort of understanding where you drop something like this off. And uh, in the spirit of this little game we play, I say something along the lines of like, you know, I'm like picking up and looking at the stuff and I'm like, oh yeah, you've been a huge help on babysitting duty or something. Like something to indicate Mm -hmm. that I, for all intents and purposes, have definitely absolutely seen you here for the past three hours and not somewhere else that you might have been. I, I love it. And the thing, the, the part of the game that we play that I want to throw out is because I'm the particular kind of trash that I am. I think there's absolutely and you probably to an extent know that it is coming. But like there's definitely a Batman Jim Gordon moment where like <laughs> you're like you're 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 getting you're you're, you're getting the coffee together. You've got a thermos, you poured it and you just hear from behind you. Hey, you'll probably need this. And you turn around and I'm there like patting the box. And I'm like, I'm going to go. I'm going to go check in with Aki. I think. Uh, yeah, I got, you know, ba- I, got, I got babysitting. I got coordinations in the managements and all of that kind of stuff. You know, it's it's what we do, huh? All that little mundane stuff you're so good at. It's, you know, it's the everyday, right? Someone's got to keep the lanterns lit. Exactly. That is fantastic. Like I said, the the collapse of of the house isn't like mm-hmm. it's not great, right? Obviously, but it also is something that is known to happen. And the the neighborhood wasn't in the middle of like any other particular issues. So I think it's not too long after that exchange that that Bendis sort of like rallies all the people who were there initially just calls them all together and says, okay, basically, you know, in no uncertain terms, but much more gently than this, you all need to go home and rest now because you're going to be exhausted if you don't. There are more people here to help. So, you know, and there are, of course, people who stick around who might have like direct connections to the to the family that was affected by this and, and that sort of thing. But Aki, this is a great opportunity to like twig to the other two that something is up. Oh, of course. I think Captain's probably the uh, easiest one to find. I tend to tower over most of the people here anyways, what with four-inch, five-inch combat boot heels, you know, it adds a lot of height. So while scanning over the crowd, what, what, is, uh, what does Ronnie look like from, you know, top down? Top down, I am picturing kind of like long hair and a headband, right? Like flowing back hair, kind of headband around the, around the, the forehead. You know you're getting dangerously close already to describing Ronnie James Dio, right? A little bit. <laughs> I think it's the the difference between between Ronnie's hair and Dio's hair is Ronnie's hair is a little bit more of the feathered '70s look, <laughs> kind of shoulder length. I think it's mm. shoulder length. It's feathered. It's it's floofy. There's the headband. They they have a they have a very square jaw and kind of a like a very square jaw, very leg very leg heavy like t- small torso big leg. Um, but like, like, like they are, they, they, they are the, the way that I will describe them looking is, is if you took the arms and legs off of like, off of a different action figure than the torso and like, they're just a little bit like longer, like the mm-hmm. limbs are a little long, but like it looks at, at once. It also just looks very flowing, right? Like there's a, there's a flow, there's a flow to her whole look where, where it's, it looks oddly mismatched, but in a way that looks like. If a if, if a person could pick their could pick every part of their 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 body their style their their energy it looks like they've purposely like power clashed every part of their being. Wow, it's cyberpunk. Somebody <laughs> might be able to choose every part of their body. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. I am here for that. All right, Ronnie, I think you just feel like a pressure on your shoulder as Aki kind of like leans into you. Hey, girl, long time no talk. What, uh, what have you been doing? I do not like that you can sneak up on me. It's <laughs> a wonder you can't hear me with all these chains, you know? <laughs> I, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to chalk this up to my own inattentive nature and not some sort of, not some sort of horrible subtext to this that I'm very, very frightened by. No, nonsense. You know, living, doing uh, a little bit of management, a little bit of babysitting, you know, ordinary stuff, legal stuff. Babysitting. Oh, yeah. It's one of your favorite tasks. You are so very good at it. I love things that are legal. So very legal. And on the topic of things that are so incredibly <laughs> legal, I think we should gather Itis and have a conversation about some legal activities. Oh, we're going to do crimes. That's great. Uh, leg- legal. Legally. <laughs> legally. Legally speaking. Yeah. <laughs> she looks around like, um, mm-hmm. yep. All right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you you drive a hard bargain, but I'm in. <laughs> I always do. I always do, darling. Let's go. And we will go scoop up our, <laughs> our neighborhood helper. <laughs> That's me. Yeah. I'm, I'm guessing that Idis is one of the people that did not leave when everyone else was instructed to. Of course. Oh yeah, no. Idis is there till till things are done. Yeah. <laughs> um, now you know, hypocritically enough, part of Idis's job right now is convincing other people that they should be going home. But that doesn't mean that mm-hmm. like he's gonna check out anytime soon. All right. I think then uh, Ronnie and I probably like arm in arm in tow. We'll kind of like march up to you. How busy are you at the moment? Well, never too busy for a couple of friends. What's up? Oh, darling, it's so good to see you. I am. Um... Uh, we happen to have some business, you know, and, and like, he points off in a direction where, like, nothing good ever happens over there. You know, just, uh, some business over there. There might be some people that, uh, have some information to share. Some really, really good legal, delightful, and wonderful information. Well, you lost me at legal, but you picked me up again at delightful. <sighs> oh, good. I hope I'm not taking you away from your... Are you making coffee? When am I not making coffee? I'll grab a cup. Thank you. Already got it. (laughs) So you still take it, right? Wow. Yes. Thank you. Thank you, dear. All right. Well, if you're ready, I say uh, you grab onto my other arm and uh, let's go on a little little bit of a stroll. Yeah, absolutely. I think that that Ida sort of looks back over their shoulder, just very briefly sort of surveying the situation and everything seems to be well in hand and one of those things where if I slip out quietly, the assumption that I'm still there will keep people running very smoothly. So I, as we start to walk away, I pop over Idis's shoulder. And I'm like, it's crimes. We're going to do crimes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, really? Iron Edda Reforged is a production of the One Shot Podcast Network in conjunction with the other dev productions. Written and designed by Tracy Barnett. Performed by Alex Flanagan, B. Zelda, and Jeff Stormer. Edited by Jupiter Aquas. Heroes, that is Puppet Strings. So I mentioned up top that this was our second episode. Uh, There are three episodes on the feed right now. The first is our session zero, where we establish all of this stuff. I chose this episode because it is the first where we really sort of get into the gameplay, even though the rules evolve beyond where we started in this episode. Like I said, if you enjoyed this, 
go ahead and check the show notes, back the Kickstarter, or even just subscribe to the podcast. Uh, it's going to be up on the OneShot website soon, but you can find it in iTunes, Apple Podcasts, whatever it's called now, Spotify, all the major podcatchers. And because this is an episode of OneShot, we always end with a call to action. And heroes, it's time to call your reps. It's pretty much always time to call your reps. There's almost always something going on that requires attention and action from us. If you, like me, have a difficult time with the phone or getting the nerve up to do it, use fivecalls.org. They have a list of issues. You can pick which issue you want. They will give you the phone number for your rep, and all you have to do is make the phone call. So that is it for this lovely bonus episode of One Shot. And to end things out the way that James does better than I'll ever be able to do it, see you next time, heroes. Heroes.